Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. I'm joined today by Meredith Halpern Ranzer, who's the founder and CEO of a company called Tinkercast. They're doing really interesting work in podcasts, learning, educational media. We're going to talk about all of that and more. But before we get into any of that, Meredith, welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you so much. Good to be here. It's great to have you. We always like to start by getting to know our guests first, and then we'll get into all the ins and outs of the cool stuff you're doing. Can you catch us up a little bit on your background, how you got to this point in your career? Sure. I can go way back. I have always been a maker. As a kid, I had an audio recorder that would like record sounds around my neighborhood and play them for my class and have them guess what the sounds were. And mm. I was always tinkering and making media. Didn't know what I was doing until I got to college. And then I started to actually learn how to really make media. And I became a, a video editor and film editor. And also at the same time, discovered a children's media course. And it kind of all like collided in the best aha moment for me mm. to be able to like be a maker, but also create content for kids. That's always mm -hmm. been a passion of mine. So, yeah, yeah. so I got out of college and started writing, actually in college, I started writing Sesame Workshop letters, asking them how to get to Sesame Street. Yeah. And eventually I did get to Sesame Street and I worked there as a video editor wow. and then a creator and then a producer, as well as always editing along the way for eight years. Mm. And then I went over to a new startup, 24-hour preschool channel called PBS Kids Sprout. Hmm. I was there on the ground floor and sort of helped build the brand and the, the content that was a library channel. So we were making original content around existing preschool favorite shows mm. and there for 10 years. And at the same time, linear television was starting to take a turn. You know, streamers were becoming more popular. They were losing a lot of audience. Yeah. It felt like a good time for me to see what else was out there in the in the digital landscape. Yeah. And so I I joined up with Mindy Thomas and Guy Ross, who are my co-founders and partners in Tinkercast. And we founded this podcast company for kids. Which is amazing. And it goes all the way back to 2017, which is the other part that, you know, as someone who's, I've been doing this podcast since 2016, we're coming up on our 600th episode. Once you have all of that history and all that content, you can start to do some really interesting stuff. That's maybe a tease for some stuff we can get into a little bit later, but can you tell the story as well of Tinkercast? And, you know, mm -hmm. you're talking about some big names in podcasting. Mindy and Guy are both known commodities. Uh, I'm a big fan and listener to their work, but then applying the expertise to more adult entertainment, podcasting content, applying that to kids learning media. That's an interesting recipe. I'd be curious uh, what led to that and maybe a little more of the story of Tinkercast. Absolutely. Yeah. So Mindy Thomas, for those that don't know, has been on SiriusXM's Kids Place Live channel for, I think it's about 19 years. Wow. She was, she's been the morning host there, but also was the program director there for many years. Talking to kids directly on the phone call-ins every single day. Guy Raz was at NPR for many years and yes. has been a journalist in many other places as well. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he had young kids, elementary school kids, that was listening to Mindy's show. So he, I think he tweeted at her, or I guess he, well, it was tweeting then, but now it's Xing. Um, <laughs> he tweeted at her, 
and said like Mindy Thomas is the morning edition for kids or something mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. she was like, hey, come on my show. So the two of them teamed up. He started to come on her morning show and bring the news. Bring He was like the serious journalist. Yeah. And Mindy's anything but serious. And so the two of them had this great rapport and were bringing real news to kids in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And they realized they had something really special there going on. Guy has, had already been in podcasting for a while. He had launched How I Built This, which is right. his biggest shows. And so the two of them decided, like, let's try this. Let's try to bring news as a podcast. But they didn't want to bring real news because that can be hard to listen to and yeah. hard to navigate as a parent. Yeah. Um, and so they decided to find the optimistic, hopeful news in the world. Mm. And that's the news of science and innovation and, and new discoveries. Right. Well, the two of them teamed up and they asked me to come in to help them launch it. In the beginning, I was just helping them launch this show and the company and the website and all the, you know, other things that could come with that. Yeah. Uh, and about two weeks in, they asked me to be the CEO and help yeah. them run the company. And by that point, I had listened to the show with my second grader at the time. Right. And it was so special. It was just so special to like have, hear a radio show, an audio show. I hadn't really listened to podcasts with my son at that point. Right. That was meant for us to listen to together and to learn together and to laugh together. And we did just that. And I just was completely hooked and been going ever since. Yeah. And there's this concept of wow, which you're talking about there too, which is this idea of like wonder and it's amazing stuff. And you're bringing in kind of a how I built this for kids that's talking about what's amazing and emerging in science. It did make me think about how I, in the best case, watch some of the golden age of children's TV today. Like when I watch Bluey with my son, it's like appointment viewing and I'm enjoying it as much as he is. And that was, it's a tricky needle to thread, but it does seem like, especially if you think about the talent you're tapping into with Guy and Mindy, it does feel like you nail it. It's got to be tricky though. Can you talk about, you know, the formats and, you know, you're doing a lot of different things too, which is also interesting having started back in 2017. Sure. Yeah. So what we do, the process is that we find real scientific research, real peer reviewed scientific research that is happening now in the world. So a real world. Wow. Yeah. And they create a narrative world-building story around it. It is so character-driven. Yes. It's so funny. It is so immersive. You become part of this world. So while they're talking about the research study, they're actually like recreating it and trying and failing and like going through the process of the scientific discovery themselves. They're, mir- they're mirroring that, but in, the mo- in a cartoon for the ear kind of right. way. Right. It's a cartoon for the ear. Yeah. So the sound design is beautiful and immersive and funny. Mm-hmm. The characters are so real. They are yes. so real. Yes. And and even the, the interplay and the dynamics are what I love about the best podcasts are frequently the rapport or the, you know, even the sidekick or co-host, yeah. you know, intrigues that's frequently, you know, almost are played up for the sake of comic effect. But that was the other part that I really love about it is that it's entertaining content. Something I've been talking about on this show since 2016. I, I was probably a little more self-conscious about edutainment when I talked about it back in the day. But it almost feels like we are, and I said a golden age before, it does almost feel like we're at this phase where there's this absence of kind of sweet spot learning content, yeah. really for all of us, but especially for kids. I, I always, you know, harken back to 
schoolhouse rock and like some of the stuff that that I grew up on back in the day, there are pockets of it, but I'd be curious, you know, what's your philosophy? What's your approach to kind of like getting into this space? And then perhaps, you know, built into that question is why audio? Those are great questions. First of all, one of our writers has rewritten the word edutainment to edufundment for us. Nice. Tom Van Kalken, I'll give him a shout out. I think our approach to it is that if we make ourselves laugh and our inner kid laughs, yeah. then we're, we're doing something right. Mm. Yes, there is learning baked into everything that we do, but it's not like we're baking in the spinach, as I say, or breaking in the broccoli. Like it is just part of it. Kids are thirsty for knowledge, but they also are really engaged by laughter and characters and worlds. And so it's just, it kind of is like this beautiful blend and all the ingredients come together. It's not that we're trying to, you know, to bake it in. It just is all part of the ingredients of what we do. Yeah. Just quickly on that, you know, I, I like to come up with bad portmanteaus. So that's learning was the one that I was trying for a while there, which is bringing fun back I to learning. 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 I like yes. I but, like learning. But, it, you know, because the emotional element that comes in, like your brain actually is in a different state, you know, humor frequently relieves stress, you know, same thing with like an emotional connection to characters who give you that same continuity that a great teacher or mentor or tutor might give you. Can you talk about the audio piece? Because that was the other part that I wanted to get into. Because as again, as parent of a soon to be five-year-old, I'm very conscious of screens. But at least from my own perspective, I'm much less conscious of turning something on that is auditory and then allowing him to experience the world not mediated through screens. Absolutely. So what we realized is that when kids are listening to audio, they are co-creating it with you. They're painting the pictures in their own heads. Mm. And research actually tells us that kids are more creative after they listen to audio than they are when they watch video. Mm. In the learning setting, they can actually comprehend two to three grade levels higher than through reading mm. because they don't have to you know, decode and encode. The words are not breaking it down. They have the context available yeah. and they understand more mm. and they retain two times more when they're wow. learning through audio. Interesting. And you're bringing up humor. Humor also has a similar effect, right? When you're leaning in and waiting for that punchline, you are so engaged. Right. And, you know, you reduce boredom, you are more like motivated and can retain more and right. willing to take more risks too through humor. So there are so many benefits that we have found through the years and also research that we've collected through the years that has helped us to understand that like, yes, we are, bringing really fun content to kids that is educational, baked in, but it's also having other benefits as well. Yeah. I always think about it in terms of like reaching a flow state or performance psychology. This is why teams, I think, frequently use humor and, you know, kind of messing with each other a little bit just to kind of like release some tension and then also build, you know, bonds, build more uh, connectivity uh, among folks. And what I love about really good audio especially, is that you can kind of hear the relationships and the connections and kind of the the tone and the culture of the conversation. Can you talk about some of the shows that you're producing? Because it was interesting to me how many there are. And uh, our listeners, I'm sure, especially those of us who have kids, would, would be curious to to sample from some of what you got going on out there. Absolutely. Parents and teachers, take note. Um we have Wow in the World, uh, mm -hmm. which is our flagship show. That's what we were talking about from the beginning. And Wow in the World, by the way, is a podcast. We also have books. 
we have live events yeah. we have lots of different I, things i saw a wowcast on uh youtube so over the pandemic we quickly had to shut down our live events but we were already a, a remote company and ready to go so we very quickly in six days launched a second podcast called two what's in a wow which is a game show mm. so two what's that are made up what's and one real what that's a wow. real what yeah um so we have this game show two what's in a wow we also have a program called we wow which has um, been taken over by our very beloved character dennis which is sort of a behind the scenes of wow a bit now and playing old episodes and we have a totally different brand called Who When Wow, which is about mysteries, real mysteries in the world. But it's also, again, is a cartoon for the ear. So our character, Carly Q, is investigating, going back in time and investigating real mysteries in the world. Yeah. And then we have a musical podcast called Flippin' Mosey's Guide to How to Be an Earthling. Wow. Um, are aliens that are discovering Earth and all its animal earthlings here on Earth. Yeah. And amazing music that goes along with that. Yeah, that's that's interesting too. That's the other element, you know, in addition to humor, you know, the the idea of music and music's influence on learning and brain development and all these other things. It's really a, kind of a sweet spot that you're shooting for here. And then that's the sort of standard mode or the consumer mode, a retail mode, whatever you would call it. I, we can go there. We can find your podcasts, you know, parents, teachers, all of us can be listening to this they stuff. They are free wherever you listen to podcasts. Our podcasts are all free wherever you listen to podcasts. Yep. You could, yeah. anyone can find them. And, right? and even live events and other, you know, ways you're diversifying on that all sounds super interesting. But then there's another dimension here, which is also to schools. Can you tell us more about how you're, you know, thinking about engaging in that space? Absolutely. So we have been thinking about it for a long time and now we're doing it. We're really excited. So just this past September, we launched Tinker Class, which is a project-based learning program free for teachers. And basically we have been we were working on it for five years with a grant from National Science Foundation to do research and development. We went into many schools. We tested with over 100 students and 30 teachers to really understand the time that they had, the need that they had, and how what we know about audio could help them in their classroom. Mm -hmm. So we designed this program called Tinker Class, which again, it's free and it uses all existing like technology. There's mm -hmm. nothing new about it, but they listen and then they wonder and reflect on what they heard. And then they tinker together, collaborate together to figure out which wonder do they want to actually investigate. And then they make, and they actually do a project together as, mm -hmm. as a group, or they could do it individually as well. But it's basically like leveraging the creativity that comes from listening and the, you know, heightened awareness of, you know, being curious about the world Yeah. to what are you curious about? And then how can you do a project around that? Yeah, it's amazing. I really like the term project. And it, it made me think about the fact that when you're listening to something, you can still be doing stuff. But when you're watching something you're kind of just watching. So that's why like, you know, it does seem like there's a natural connection to being audio based and that connecting into more project based, more experiential learning. Yes, exactly. And it really is building on those 21st century skills, which are really important to us as a company to help facilitate, you know, listening, like the curiosity and, and critical thinking and collaboration and communication right. and creativity, especially. All of these are so important for us as we think about what we want to bring to this generation. And so, you know, we're hoping that these tools help to enhance those 
Yeah, which brings me to, we made it this far, which is pretty good. I made it this far without talking about emerging technology, artificial intelligence. Nancy, Nancy we can maybe get a, a cameo in from Nancy. Oh, shucks. You shouldn't have. But yeah, how are you thinking about what's emerging? How are you thinking about tapping into that stuff? And I noticed, you know, even in the playful way you're creating characters, you know, how are you thinking about, you know, teaching kids about the technology that's emerging and then also how you're using it to produce this stuff on the back end? So we are tinkers, like that is who we are. So we are tinkering with what are the right amounts of bringing in AI into our work practices. We haven't really done anything yet with that. We're talking about it from a, you know, from the perspective of being creative people. And then we're also, we've had two episodes around AI on Wow in the World. So Wow yep. in the World again takes real scientific research and builds episodes around it. Mm -hmm. There was recently an episode, uh, I think it's called I Laugh, and it's about a research study about whether robots or AI, if AI laughter really translates to people if they buy it. And it is, you know, so they build this whole funny yeah. episode around it and then also tried to make their mannequin dummy also laugh. So it was, it was a very funny episode, but it's about laughter and AI. And so, you know, they're taking relevant research about it to bring it into the context of our show. From a, like, learning perspective, I think, you know, again, back to those 21st century skills, hmm. it's more important now than ever that we are fostering curiosity and creativity in kids because AI is, it's here for sure. Yeah. Not go anywhere. It's only going to get stronger. Right. And, you know, we're, our education system is really a system built around having the right answer, but we believe in fostering an education system that celebrates great questions. Yeah. And AI is only as good as the prompts and the questions it's asked. Right. And it can be a tool for creative innovation. But it can't create itself. It can't take something from nothing. AI is taking something from the existing known world. Right. But I think it's really going to be very interesting. So I think where we want to focus is like how to help kids, you know, build those 21st century skills that will help them to use it as a tool and not take away from the human intelligence part right. of it all. Yeah, it's complicated. You understand the concerns, whether it's privacy concerns or, you know, the threat of robot overlords, you know, it seems less off in the distance, perhaps, than it did previously. It does feel like we're living in a, a bit of a sci-fi frame. But then the other element is we need to teach kids about new content. To your point, you have to actually talk about AI. You know, it might have been an extra, like an add-on in a computer science lesson or whatever. Now it's front and center, also because it addresses the relevance problem that a lot of education has. It does seem like a lot of your stuff is, I guess you have the opportunity to be relevant or, or at least intend to do so. How do you think about that? And when I think about relevance, I also think about like, you know, future of work type stuff. And, right. you know, you know, you mentioned the 21st century skills, all that's kind of speaking to like, what are your goals, you know, as an educational company? Like, what are you trying to impart to these rising generations? Any thoughts on, on how you go about that? I mean, we really want to impart on these generations that they are, they have agency in their world and what they create and what they come up with matters mm. and that trial and error and iteration is essential for furthering our world and our development and i mean we just want kids to be kids in this moment and kids are amazing yeah and so fostering like 
there's so many amazing things that they already are. They're not half humans. They're not on their way to becoming something. They are full and right. they're amazing and they're creative. So like giving them that confidence in their own creativity and in their own curiosity and letting mm. that lead the way, that's what we are trying to, you know, encourage because those skills will then help our future world, not yeah. their future selves, but the future world. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of thought that went into the idea of a tinkerer. And when I think about my son, you know, I do think often about even a maker's mindset is another thing that I'm trying to impart to him. Although it feels like as I'm around a four-year-old, I realize we're kind of born with a maker's mindset and <laughs> it's kind of broken out of us in some ways. How do you think about unlocking that potential, unlocking that curiosity? How do you think about, you know, wow and inspiration, all these sort of loftier ideas? You know, how do you turn that into a real thing? You know, I think you're exactly right, though. They are born with it. They are so creative. They're new to this whole world and they're so curious about everything. They want to lick everything and touch everything and experience it all. Right. There's a great study from NASA. I don't know how many years ago. So they did a study where they were testing for creative genius and they gave this study to, you know, four to five year olds, 98 percent of them rated creative genius. Then they give it to 10-year-olds. 10-year-olds mm. were 30% creative genius. Yeah. And they give it to 15-year-olds. And I think those were 12% creative genius. Wow. And then they gave it to adults. And they were 2% creative genius. Mm. So I think it's the opposite. Yeah. Your question is, how do we get kids to be creative and curious? And I think it's the opposite. I think, how can we adults trust them and, and give them tools to, to further their creativity? Yeah, love it. And then mixed reality, you know, VR. My wife got me an yeah. Oculus last year, so oh, really? suddenly, I'm, suddenly I'm an expert. I, I actually use it on occasion, at least to play miniature golf. But what are you thinking about mixed media? Some of the new emerging media types. You're someone who's worked in television. Now you're in audio. You know, probably interactive is another gaming. Those are all spaces where we're seeing a lot of innovation in the media landscape. What are your thoughts? Either you know, just as someone who thinks about this stuff, or perhaps as it relates to Tinkercast. Yeah, you know, I have been very interested in AR and VR for many years and digital media, interactive and games. It's interesting that I feel like recently I have gone back into the place of we has to first and foremost be accessible and available mm -hmm. because we need it to be, you know, inclusive and reach every kid. Yeah. So I've actually, I feel like I've backtracked a bit from like, moving forward with some of those new technologies. I mean, we have our eyes on everything. We're tinkerers. We're always trying to explore and learn. Right. Um, we are really interested in how to make things where the kids already are, you know, how to give tools where kids already are. So I feel like we're scaling back in order to make it more inclusive. Yeah. And Tinker Class is just that. Like Tinker Class, we started off with a prototype that was going to be its own product. And what we learned through the process is that we have to come to where the teachers already are. So we're now on Google Classroom. You know, we're on Seesaw. And we're, we had to scale back some of the interactive tools just so that we can make it accessible and right. available. Right. Get in the door. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it does make me think about universal design for learning, which is another theme that comes up a lot where you want to allow learners multiple ways to engage with the content. That was something yeah. that I did see you doing at... at Tinkercast, that's something that we're trying to do a little bit on the podcast is figure out when can we actually put a little more visual something mm -hmm. out with the episode. And, I, you know, you are omni-channel. I think everyone has to be, you know, at least aware of all the different channels, some of which are visual media. 
How do you yeah. think about, you know, going across, you know, maybe being audio as your main differentiator, but then thinking about how you can hit some of these other channels that are out there? Yeah. So last year we launched YouTube or what we call it WowTube for us. Mm -hmm. And we put a lot of thought into it. How can we continue to be audio first mm -hmm. in this digital platform mm -hmm. and kind of be a like antidote to the endless scrolling? Right. So we thought a lot about it and we created what we call like podcast players. So it's the podcast playing, but there's a visual sort of old school player with mm -hmm. little Easter eggs and things happening throughout to keep your attention if you're finding us through YouTube. And then we also created shorts. We made some videos that have music and some of our, you know, episodes, taking some of the science from episodes to make them more catchy and shorter form. Right. So we're still experimenting and tinkering with it and finding the right, you know, cadence and the right visual style. Yeah. Uh, we're also doing some things we're exploring for next year, some shorts that would maybe break up some of the scrolling, the mindless scrolling too. Right, right. Had a moment of wow mm -hmm. in the midst of your scrolling. So I think we're really trying to bring what we're good at uh, forward, which is, you know, creating audio content and also moments of wow, whatever platform we're in. That makes sense. It does make me think briefly of the conversation I had with Natalia Kuchakova, who's doing research into olfactory learning and literally the influence of sense on children's learning and how that relates to storytelling. And Ooh. it's really interesting to think of she, cause she refers to it as one of the hidden senses where unlike sight or hearing, we aren't always thinking about, I always joke that I'm a kinesthetic learner as I just really need to dance to learn, you know, oh. but there are elements where, you know, when you start thinking about the different ways in which we take in information when you can be thoughtful in terms of how you design to kind of hit those different ways in which kids learn. It's really interesting. And then, you know, the target age group that you're looking at here is K through five. Yes. But I think the idea is perhaps a little bit bigger if you think about how we all could kind of benefit from more compelling learning media that's engaging, yeah. funny, emotionally resonant. How do you think about that? How do you think about your target scope right now and then some of the stuff that you're finding that might be more broadly applicable yeah i mean we say that we are five to 12 year olds and they're grown-ups our audience is over 90 percent are listening together as a family and learning together for wow in the world and for who went well i would say we are sharing things that the parents might not know either so they're mm. at the same learning level so yes it's a co-listening experience and teachers now too we hope but honestly like coming from tv background you know, TV is very segmented. It's preschool, it's six to nine, and then it's kind of the family content, like, you know, right. and adult content. What's interesting about audio is that there's no visual component telling them it's not for them. Mm. So our audience is so much wider than anything I've ever experienced in the visual medium. So mm. we probably go from like three to 13 is, is what we believe our audience is. Yeah. Well, you know, as you're talking about, it does make me think about one of the opportunities with AI is the ability to get personalized learning. But one of the challenges that creates is if everybody's learning is different, there's less of that sense of like a shared kind of communal experience. And that's why the, the co-listening element makes a, a lot of sense to me. And I imagine you're getting a lot of feedback from parents and families, they're very much a, a key stakeholder in how you think about designing this stuff. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, Guy Raz and Mindy Thomas had a book signing over the weekend because we just had a book come out, Wow in Space. And Mindy was telling me that parents came up to her so emotional, like, you got me through the pandemic. I mean, it, it's personal. You know, when you're, you have a, a kid, you know, when your kid loves something, yeah, you love it too. Mm-hmm. And I think we've tapped into something, you know, with families like that. They see that this is a value to them. It's bringing right. them together. They're having a shared experience. They're learning together and they're laughing together and it's meaningful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it makes me think a little bit about media consumption and how it's maybe been influenced by the pandemic, too, where, you know, pre-pandemic, we were roughing it here in Brooklyn without a car. Now we're thinking about road trips. And the idea of, you know, one of the use cases that I imagine is out there for listening together is while you're on the road. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like the the use cases you're finding, but that one in particular, I've actually, again, you know, we just have the one four-year-old, but like, it is a new form of like actual family time where you have to figure out how to negotiate time on the road. He's performing like a champ so far, but I'd love to hear what you're thinking in terms <laughs> of your designing for that audience. Absolutely. Well, we, yeah, we do a lot of surveys to learn about our audience. And we have always heard over the years that the car is the, the top place that people are listening together. Mm. And we actually designed our shows the length for that car trip to school, right? 20 uh-huh. minutes, perfect time. So the car is definitely probably like the most listened to place and and use case. Actually, nighttime has become something that we've heard a lot more. And I Mm. I don't know when that started, but when we have our live events and kids come and talk to us, they say, I fall asleep to you guys every night. We hear that so much. And so I think, I don't know, that's the shared experience. I think kids are finding comfort mm. and like a safety in our this world and these characters and mm. are falling asleep to them at night. Yeah. And the storytelling aspect, right? Like right. age old, <laughs> tell me a story before bed from that. There's also families that listen around dinner table or breakfast table. So yeah, we hear, we hear those different use cases. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And while we're researching smell-o-vision, we could also be researching learning while you sleep, where depending on the learning programming that's playing while you're asleep, you can wake up smarter, Meredith. You know? Let's do it. When you need some R&D help, I'm your guy, I promise you. But uh, But I do like smell-o-vision. I just want to just call that out. That was wonderful. It's pretty good, you know. But uh, as we're getting closer to time, I always ask for folks' advice to other listeners out there. You're someone who's really navigated a pretty interesting career through educational media and now landing in a place where you're doing what you love, reaching families, making an impact. Any thoughts on, you know, reflection, having gotten to this place, and then also advice or suggestions for folks as they're charting their own careers? Yeah, I think it's really important that we celebrate childhood and celebrate children. You know, it's a hard time right now for all of us. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of mental health problems happening right now. There's a lot of darkness. Childhood, it's a safe place to play and explore. And I think, you know, my inclination and my advice is always like, don't try to help them grow up too fast. Like, let them be in this moment and enjoy the play of it and the experience of being a kid because you only get that once. Over my career, people have come to me pitching shows or, you know, asking my advice on shows. The creators that come and say, this is what kids should know Mm. are the ones that I, I don't, I'm not interested in. It's the ones that say, when I was a kid, I needed this. Mm. That's what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that want to celebrate where kids are right now. So my advice is to think about who you were as a kid 
and think about yourself in this moment that we're in, which is different than when we were kids. Yeah. And how can you create something for this moment for kids to be kids? Absolutely. Amazing stuff here with Meredith Halpern Ranzer, the founder and CEO of Tinkercast. As we're wrapping up here, uh, Meredith, yeah. first off, if folks want to learn more, where should they go? They should go to tinkercast.com. We have all our podcasts there. And you can also find out about tinkerclass.com there too. You can go to Tinkerclass directly if you're a teacher, or you can go through Tinkercast's website. But that's our free educational program for classrooms. Awesome. And we'll include that in the show notes for the episode. So as we're wrapping up, I always like to give you an opportunity for takeaways. Folks are going to head back to the rest of their lives. Any closing thoughts, ideas for our listeners as we wrap up here? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, bringing podcasts, like we have a really wonderful audience, but podcast listening is still pretty small and we want to make it bigger. We think there's so many benefits out there for kids and their grownups by listening to podcasts. So tell someone about podcasts, tell someone about ours or anyone's podcast. You know, we want to really like raise all boats, right? And we also want people to know about our educational programming. So Tinker Class, it's free. It uses the existing technology in classrooms. It's easy to use and it's so engaging and it's inclusive too. Fantastic stuff. It does remind me of, I think it was Tom Webster when he was doing the Infinite Dial a while back was saying podcasting needs the equivalent of got milk. You know, got podcasts. How do we get Big Pod to just tell everybody you're missing out? You need to be listening to podcasts more. If you're listening to this, spread the good word. People should be listening to pods more. Families should be listening and learning and having fun together. Check out Tinkercast, really entertaining content, stuff to learn from. Meredith, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you so much, Mike. It's great. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, please subscribe, write us a review, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.